from the studios of Talk Radio 1680 KGED. I am Jonathan Keller, CEO and President of California Family Council. Happy to be with you today on another episode of Life, Family, Liberty. So I want to read you a little bit about this Marist poll uh, because they did this one on abortion. Uh, Marist polling, uh, they um, regularly measure public opinion, both in New York State and around the country. They were founded in 1978. And the fascinating thing was they just came out and talked about the opinions on abortion. And generally speaking, the positions on abortion tend to be very stable when it comes to polling. Um, Most people who are pro-life tend to be very pro-life. There's maybe a little bit of movement around the margins where you see people talking about, well, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a opposed to abortion in all cases, you know, in cases except for the life of the mother, in cases sec- except for the health of the mother, which we've talked about on the show can be very broad, or I'm in favor of it before three months or whatever it is. So there's there's different gradations of where people are, but generally speaking, the abortion numbers tend to be pretty consistent among different groups. Um, conservatives slash Republicans tend to be on one side of the spectrum. Uh, liberals slash Democrats tend to be on another side of the spectrum. But there is some shifting on just the margins. Usually, though, especially in a short period of time, you don't see very much movement. You see things staying very consistent. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, uh, we've seen a couple of major shifts. And some of you might wonder, well, why in the world would there be different shifts on abortion, not just over the course of a couple of years, but over the course of only a couple of months? Um, We oftentimes also will see sometimes shifts on abortion that happen, just like on any issue, during a major political campaign. So you'll sometimes see that during the presidential campaign because the issues tend to get talked about a lot more and Americans are paying more attention to politics and Sometimes, from what I've seen, that can tend to solidify opinions. If you are pro-life, you'll become more pro-life during a presidential election year because you you see the extremes on both sides and you end up following further into your camp and vice versa. If you are pro-choice and the Democrat Party espouses a position that is more pro-choice, you will become even farther pro-choice. So that's how it can tend to go. Not always, but oftentimes. Um, So why in a non-presidential election year, and in fact in a non-election year, just since the beginning of 2019, why has there been such a shift in abortion? Well, I want to read you a little bit of this article here from Axios AM. And this is from Elena Treen, 15 hours ago. The headline of this poll, I think, should give a lot of encouragement for uh, conservatives and specifically for pro-lifers. It says uh, headline: New poll finds dramatic shift, quote unquote, dramatic shift on abortion attitudes. Uh, the recent debate over late-term abortion, fueled by state measures in New York and Virginia that loosened or thought to loosen abortion restrictions at toward the end of a woman's presidency, has caused a quote dramatic shift unquote in public attitudes towards abortion policy, according to Barbara. Carvalho, who directed a new Marist poll commissioned by the Knights of Columbus, a Catholic organization. Now, I want to point out something. This is something that is important, I think, for both conservatives and liberals to think about. Just because a poll was commissioned by a specific organization does not 
necessarily mean that the poll itself is a biased poll. Yes, it's true that Knights of Columbus commissioned this poll from the Marist organization, but that doesn't mean that the poll is designed to be a uh, a biased or a slanted or a tilted poll. Um, it, it is true, I think, that in some cases there can be pollsters that, depending on how they poll, they can be more accurate or less accurate than other organizations. Um, I, I think that's especially true during a big political campaign. You can see that there are uh, politicians that might like to try to push their people to respond a certain way to certain polls because it gives them the era of support, uh, or I should say the aura of support. Um, that I think is a little bit different though in this case. Uh, the reason why this is so significant is because number one, it's not during the middle of a political campaign. It is in the middle of a public debate that is not spo so specifically related to a specific candidate, but it's related to a specific issue. Um, it's also something that ideally should not, or at least has not been historically, only a Republican Democrat issue. When you're when you're talking about a political campaign, it is a binary choice. It is a, you know, am I going to vote for the Republican or am I going to vote for the Democrat? At least that's usually how it goes. I mean, theoretically, you have third party candidates and you have people that don't vote for one of the major candidates. But look, in a lot of cases, it ends up being mostly a binary choice. So. In this case, though, with abortion, these people aren't being asked specifically to vote for a specific candidate. They're asking about these topics. How do you feel about these specific topics? And the other reason why this is so significant is because it is talking about um, the change in opinions on these. Um, and the, the issue why that's so important is that these polling numbers are internally different. So it means that we're not seeing one poll that is consistently saying Americans are more pro-life than they are. It is one poll that has had a specific result for the last several years and maybe even decade or more. And now that same poll using that same methodology is seeing a dramatic shift in that poll results. So the, th the reason this is significant is because whenever you see polls that are internally consistent generally, and then they have a dramatic shift, to quote again the title of this, New Poll Finds Dramatic Shift on Abortion Attitudes, that's something to pay attention to because it means that likely there actually is a difference in people's opinions. So what does this dramatic shift say? What does the Marist poll said? I've been leading up to it. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about that. What the recent debate over late-term abortion has shown. And we'll be listening to it here on today's special episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I am your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today on this special podcast and radio show. Uh, you may notice the big banners behind me. I have a Talk Radio 1680 KGED banner behind me, and that's because we record our weekly radio show here in the studios of Talk Radio 1680 KGED in the beautiful 
Tower District of downtown Fresno. Uh, but this is a statewide and even nationwide and international show, so happy to have anybody watching with us today on Facebook. Happy to have you watching on any other platform. Uh, you can also, of course, always subscribe to the podcast, and I encourage you to do so so you don't miss an episode. Uh, we try to release the podcast usually the same day on Mondays, but just depending on editing, we get those out Monday or Tuesday. And we can be found at our special site, lifefamilyliberty.net. You can, of course, always subscribe at californiafamily.org, but if you go to lifefamilyliberty.net from your mobile phone or from your desktop, your iPad, your Android phone, Samsung Galaxy tab, whatever it is, uh, you can subscribe there. There are special links that let you subscribe dire directly either through Google Play, through Stitcher, through iTunes, or through any other podcast feed. Um, I will tell you real quick, just as a note, I'm here in the studio. We have a uh, news feed, cable news feed, and I'm watching uh, President Trump board Air Force One at Joint Base Andrews to head to Vietnam for his second summit with Korean North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. And I will just tell you, folks, to be honest, it, it never ceases to be surreal watching him get out of the limo and watching him board Air Force One. Um, some days you just kind of have to pinch yourself and go, okay, this is the, uh, this is the world that we're actually living in. <laughs> it's just kind of remarkable. So anyway, uh, but when you do look there at Air Force One, it is kind of a remarkable sight. Um, so just if you think about it, uh, pray for President Trump today and uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un because it is a, uh, yeah, it's a big deal. Even though it's outside the topics that we normally talk about on the show, um, it's outside the domestic social issues um, that we tend to talk about. Um, it's really important, and those issues, the fact that President Trump is meeting with a volatile country that potentially has the ability to launch nuclear missile, missiles, not just at the West Coast, but at the entire country. Um, yeah, that, you know, it's something that we should certainly still be monitoring and paying attention to and uh, caring about. So uh, prayers for President Trump and the entire foreign policy team as they head over to meet with the North Korean leader. So... Getting back to the issue that we talked about in the last segment, uh, we were mentioning the issue of the Marist poll. So what exactly is a Marist poll? Well, we talked a little bit in the first segment, and we I think we had some slight technical difficulties. So if you missed the first part of our segment, if you're watching on Facebook, um, Marist is just a polling institute, and they are not a um, – they are not a – kind of just a fly-by-night, you know, small, rinky-dink polling operation. Um, they are the polling company that actually does polling for some of the major news organizations. So they poll for the Wall Street Journal, for NPR, National Public Radio. They do polling for NBC. And they are very highly respected and well-regarded. But the fascinating thing is that the, uh, the Marist poll has seen some major shifts in America's position on abortion just in the last several weeks. So let me read for you a couple of these different items here. I, I thought, that this was a, thought that this was pretty remarkable. Um, let me read you here from, again, the, uh, the Marist poll. Let me go back to the, uh, the page here. Okay. 
The recent debate over late-term abortion fueled by state measures in New York and Virginia that loosened or sought to loosen abortion restrictions toward the end of a woman's pregnancy has caused a, quote, dramatic shift, unquote, in public attitudes towards abortion policy, according to Barbara Carvello, who directed a new Maris poll commissioned by the Knights of Columbus, a Catholic organization. This is from an article at Axios.com. Uh, I will tweet that out here also. You can follow me at Jonathan Keller on Twitter and um, on California Family, at CA Family on Twitter as well. So by the numbers, the poll found that Americans are now as likely to identify as pro-life, 47%, as they are pro-choice, 47%. Last month, a similar Marist poll found that Americans were more likely to identify by pro-choice as pro, uh, pro-life than pro-choice by 55 to 38%, a 17-point gap. Okay, so I realize that sometimes numbers are hard on the radio, so let me just say this again. Currently, I'm looking right into the camera if you're watching on Facebook so that I'm trying to connect with you, the audience. (laughs) Currently, the numbers are 47% to 47%. It's a tie, 47 to 47 for pro-choice versus pro-life. That's the current numbers that they've just found. A month ago, however, the numbers were 55% pro-choice to 17% pro-life. So in other words, people were 17%, 17 points, more likely to identify as pro-choice. Now, we could talk a lot about why the reasons are for that, but I, I think in a lot of cases when people are being asked by pollsters, they want to say, well, you know, I just generally speaking, I, I'd sort of call myself pro-choice. I mean, I maybe I personally don't like abortion, but, you know, I, I'm not as interested in this or blah, blah, blah. There's all sorts of different issues as related to that. And I think generally people, even if they are personally uncomfortable with abortion, to a pollster, they might try to identify, okay, you know, I'm at least broadly, generally, somewhat, slightly pro-choice. And that was how it was even as recently as a month ago by 17%. Generally, again, like I said, these numbers tend to be very stable. But in a single month, we have seen 17 percentage point change, 17 percentage point change to be tied. So the survey also found that 80% of Americans support abortion being limited to the first three months of pregnancy, an increase of five percentage points over last month's Marist poll. So again, remember, this is not that we have heard that the, uh, the polls have changed in the last five years or something like that. Um, that's not how it goes. Um, it's not that we are hearing that, okay, there's finally a change of pace from uh, when President Obama was in office or a change of pace from right after President Trump was elected. We're talking about a change within the last month. And a five percentage point change is, by itself, that's pretty significant. But to get all the way up to 80% is really interesting. Um, And part of the reason for that is that we're looking and saying, again, 80% support abortion being limited to the first three months of pregnancy. That would basically be a a three-month abortion ban, a heartbeat abortion ban, basically, within the first three months of pregnancy, would be about the most expansive and most extreme type of regulation that we have seen in the United States really in the last several decades. Now, we have seen a heartbeat bill. Heartbeat can be as early as they're saying, you know, three weeks to six weeks. Um, that would be a little bit more expansive uh, than, than these other uh, bills that we're seeing or, or than this uh, results in this poll. But generally speaking, this is a 
again, it's a huge change. It's a huge, significant move. And I think that this goes to show the power of what is actually being discussed and the fact that President Trump brought this up in the State of the Union address. I think this goes to show how dramatic the changes are and how the extremism of the Democrat Party and the extremism of Nancy Pelosi, of Ralph Northam in Virginia, of Kathy Tran in Virginia, of Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York, their extremism is actually forcing people to reevaluate their positions on the abortion issue. And that's huge. That's a huge, significant change. So let me read a little bit more of this. Between the lines, it says, Marist has been pulling American attitudes on abortion for over a decade, and Carvalho told Axios this is the first time since 2009 that as many or more Americans have identified as pro-life as have identified as pro-choice. But what she said she found most significant was that Democrats, specifically those under the age of 45, seem to be leading the shift. Now, this is a key point, folks. Democrats um, actually have a slight majority in voter registration numbers compared to Republicans in the country. There's a lot of independents, but when you look at just the two major political parties, Democrats and Republicans, Democrats, there are more registered Democrats. And also, generally speaking, younger Democrats are tend to thought of as being more progressive, more aggressively left-leaning. But the fact that under 45-year-old Democrats are leading the shift, it says this month's poll found 34% of Democrats identify as pro-life versus 61% pro-choice. Last month, those numbers were 20 and 75% respectively. So that means there has been a 14-point swing in the numbers. 14-point swing. So the the net difference is much closer. Instead of it being 55%, it's down to now only 27%. That's a huge difference. And I think that goes to show why persuasion is so important, because even those people who identify as Democrats are open to being persuaded on the pro-life issue. We'll be back talking more about this and other issues on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Just realize I'm going to put the microphone up a tiny bit more. There we go. So I'm not looking down at the microphone, but I can be looking straight at you, the viewers on the camera. This is a little surreal because normally I'm used to not looking right at the camera, but I'm doing friendly banter with my co-host, John Girardi. But today, because he is uh, AWOL, well, he's not AWOL, he, he is absent with leave. He, uh, he actually did call and say, hey, guys, I'm not going to be able to make it today. So we miss him today. Hopefully he comes back soon. But uh, let's see here. Uh, we are uh, getting used to this new setup here, but we are here at the studios of Talk Radio 1680 KGED. Happy to be here and happy to have our new uh, system set up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how all this works, but hopefully you're all watching. I'm going to actually log in right now and check the Facebook account and see if we have anybody talking. I, I kind of doubt that we're getting a lot of comments on Facebook, but I will look and just see to be safe. Um, one of the things that I will encourage you all to do, I know I said this in the last segment, but I want to uh, I want to just continue to urge everybody. We recently got our um, podcasting feed reactivated. Basically, for a while, uh, it had been dormant, and that was mostly on me. We had just not been uploading new episodes. We'd been recording them live, but 
we've not been uploading past episodes. But since the beginning of this year, we've kind of started a, uh, a new season. We've kind of relaunched. And if you go to the Facebook feed or, excuse me, the podcast feed, um, all of the new episodes begin with the prefix one for this season. So we have uh, episode 101 to start the year, and we have episodes moving on. Uh, we also have a special community forum up there talking about abortion. Um, we mentioned that a couple of uh, couple of weeks ago that John Girardi and myself were on the radio doing a special live uh, community forum talking about late-term abortion. And it is really significant that we did that because of what we're seeing, like I said, with the Marist poll numbers. Uh, it really is significant to see. It's not just something that uh, pro-life individuals or conservatives are having as kind of a, uh, a, a wishful dream or a um, kind of a you know, self-delusion. Uh, we're actually seeing that these abortion debates, more so than any time in recent history, are m radically shifting the discussion on these issues. So let me double check here, and we're going to look and see if we've got any uh, any comments here on any of the Facebook feed that would be a good comment to talk about. It doesn't look like we've got much yet. Um, perfect. All right. Nothing big yet there, so we'll keep monitoring that and see if there's anything else. But I, I wanted to go ahead and just um, read you a couple of these tweets and then a little bit more of the discussion on the Marist poll. Because I, I really do think that this is highly significant. Um, the swing in these numbers. Again, right now it is tied at 47% to 47%. Pro-life versus pro-choice. Last month, those numbers were 55% pro-choice, 38% pro-life. That is a massive swing, folks. I, I, I just want to reiterate, you you very rarely will see a swing of a couple percentage points within a week. If you see a particularly awful uh, news story, you may see five to maybe 10 percentage point swing where a, a shift will happen. But even when you have something like a, a horrible shooting, you have a school shooting, you will sometimes see shifts in gun control policy in relation to that. But even so, they're usually very minor shifts. They're maybe shifting around the regions. Um, it is not a dramatic shift of usually not up to you know 17 points. It, it is, though, incredible to see how big of a change it has been. So let me read you here a little bit from, this is Charlie Camacy. Um, he is actually uh, a professor and he is on the board for Democrats for Life. Uh, he writes for the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, The Atlantic, um, and he is uh, he's written a or a couple of great tweets talking about the um, interest of um, the interest of what these numbers mean. So I just want to read a little bit here from Charlie Camelsey. Uh, he says, as the article found, Marist has been doing this for a long time. So the fact that they have found such a striking shift is very much worth noting. According to Marist, in one month, pro-life closed a 17-point gap with pro-choice. I've written at length about how these terms often hide more than they reveal, but in this context, they reveal something big has happened, especially because these number, numbers tend to be so stable. Well, what happened? Debate over late-term abortion. New York, Virginia, Rhode Island, Vermont, all had or are having debates about expanding late-term abortion. But here's the thing. The U.S. public 
loathes late-term abortion. Now, you don't see that word used in public very much because people try to hedge their bets, and they're like, well, you know, it's this issue or that. I'm, 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 I'm conflicted about the issue. But when it comes to late-term abortion, it's true. They loathe late-term abortion. Uh, and I want to clarify something. It says um, 85%, including a majority who identify as pro-choice, a majority who identify as pro-choice, believe that it should be illegal. 85%. So I want to talk with you, just compare this to our modern discussions on the presidency. Uh, President Trump's approval numbers tend to be in the low 40 percentages or to the very high 30 percentages. You've seen, you know, him dip to 39%, I think maybe, maybe 38%. And when you hear those numbers, you look on the news, especially if people are tending to be opposed to President Trump uh, in the news, or any politician for that matter, but especially President Trump. Um, they will specifically say, oh my gosh, you know, look at this disaster. You know, it's, 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 you know, this complete wipeout for President Trump. His poll numbers are down to 39%, you know, 38%. You know, he's going to get wiped out. You know, why is anybody still supporting him, you know, doesn't the Republican Party know they should run away from him because look at these disastrous numbers? Well, I want to I want to clarify something. According to this number here that we see, 85% of the public opposes late-term abortion. So that means that at best, if there's no people that are undecided, 15% of the public support late-term abortion. 15% support abortion late into the third trimester. That means that President Trump is more than twice as popular as late-term abortion. <laughs> and as much as if you were watching the Oscars last night, you saw them discussing, you know, all, all of the comments about President Trump and comments about the wall and all sorts of different stuff like that. And that's fine. They have a First Amendment right. They can go say whatever they'd like to do. That's, that's great. They can go and, you know, comment and, and do, you know, popular culture and do that. Um, but... The reality is I, I don't think that they are fairly or accurately representing the reality of how much the general public, the American public, not the elitist, rich Hollywood fringe, but the American public hates late-term abortion. 85% of the public is opposed to it. Uh, if you go online and you're looking at movies, for example, and you look at Rotten Tomatoes, uh, for an issue for for an issue to be fresh, you have to be, I think, over seventy five percent positive on Rotten Tomatoes. Sixty percent is, eh. but be beneath that, they consider if you have less than sixty percent approval, that it is a rotten movie. It's a bad movie. If you are down in the, if you are down in the under twenty percent range, if you're in the fifteen percent range, I mean, that's the type of thing that nobody would want to go see that type of a movie. And yet, this is something that. The Democrats in elected office continue to push, and I think they really do so at their own peril. Let me read a little bit more from Charlie Camasey. He says, Democrats, especially younger ones, are leading the shift. In February, 34% ID'd as pro-life versus 61% pro-choice. January numbers were 20 versus 75. So basically, it is a 19% increase in the case of Democrats under 45 increasing to be more pro-life. A 19% increase in a single month. This is a huge issue. 
This is a huge issue, and I think it goes to show why it is so important that we push even more aggressively as pro-life advocates with showing and exposing what abortion really is, especially late-term abortion. We'll be back with a final closing segment and some more thoughts on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you for this final segment of today's show. Um, Gosh, so much to talk about. So much to talk about in today's episode. Um, Lots of interesting information coming out of this poll. Uh, Honestly, from today's episode, we're barely even going to get time to talk about the big election over the weekend. California Republican Party elects Jessica Patterson a Latina, as its first female leader. Uh, I think that's actually fairly significant. Um, I'm I'm excited to hear uh, what she has to say for the party. I'd like to find out more. Uh, she had 55% of the vote in the first battle, or in the first ballot. Uh, I'm going to read you a little bit here from a LA Times article. A California Republicans named a new chair Sunday, electing Jessica Patterson, a Latina, as the first woman to lead the state party after it suffered historic losses in the November midterms. Quote, today we are starting the next chapter in our party's history, Patterson told convention attendees Sunday morning. No egos, no personal agendas, no drama. We're going to be about one thing, winning. Delegates who voted for Patterson said she was a fresh face who could help broaden the party's reach and steer it back towards relevance. The 38 year old mother of two is a longtime political operative and chief executive of California Trailblazers, a group that trains Republican legislative candidates. She will lead a team of newly elected officers that includes Vice Chairman Peter Quo, a Taiwanese American immigrant and treasurer, treasurer Gregory Gandred, who is gay. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the Republican Party of California uh, approaches this new uh, new effort. Um, I, I think because it's very obvious that they are trying to be, they're trying to move away from President Trump on a national level. Um, they are trying to shift and say that, um, you know, we want to reject President Trump's uh, rhetoric as it relates to immigration. Uh, they want to reject President Trump's um uh, language as it comes to uh, other types of issues. I, I I understand why when you looked at the results from the November election, I understand why they are saying that. I mean, it, it was a pretty disastrous election for conservatives in uh, 2018, especially in California. Um, and I'm I'm excited. I don't have any problem. In fact, I'm I'm thrilled to see a younger, more diverse Republican Party um, in the state of California. But the question is going to be if these elected officials decide that they're going to become just Democrats with slightly less spending. I don't know that that's going to fly. I think there are a lot of conservatives like me. There are a lot of Republicans that I know in the state of California that are not interested in the Republican Party abandoning their traditional platform on the design for marriage being between a man and a woman. 
They're not interested in the Republican Party abandoning, especially not in abandoning the pro-life plank, particularly in regards to this poll that we've spent the last several segments talking about. Um, I want to read a little bit more. It says, we've been a party that's essentially got a face that is primarily white and male and old, said Cassandra Pye, a consultant who worked in the administration of former Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger and voted as a delegate this weekend for the first time in more than a decade. It's time we turn the party over to another generation and to some folks that look more like the rest of California. Um, so this will be, like I said, very interesting to see. Republicans, again, more from the LA Times. Republicans hold just seven of California's 53 congressional seats and represent less than a quarter of the seats in both houses of the legislature. Fewer than one in four California voters are registered with the GOP. And I think that it is going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see what the long-term prospect of the party is. Because we've seen in other parts of the country where you have either a solid, um, either a monolith of only Republicans or only Democrats. It's not good, I think, ultimately for the state when you do not have a thriving, at least a two-party system. Um, we've talked about this in the past, and I've talked with lots of people who don't like the prospect of the only having to pick between two candidates, between Republicans and Democrats. I understand that. But I would say that the only thing that is worse than a two-party system is a one-party system. And that is increasingly what we are seeing in the state of California. More and more people becoming sorted and shifted into not really having a true choice. Um, in a lot of areas, even if you have a candidate who is a bad candidate, they are, because of gerrymandering, they are not allowed to really have a good, solid vote. Or in other cases, in the state of California, because Republicans have not done a good job of capturing the interest and the imagination of other people who are not just Democrats, but independents, they have not been able to translate that into saying, this is what we are for and this is what is important. So I think that it will be very interesting to see um, what the uh, what the Republican Party does. My um, my concern. Let me read a little bit more here. She goes on to say there are too few of us for us to try to push people out one direction or the other. Patterson said, adding that every person who identified as Republican should feel welcome. I know who the enemy is. They're 500 yards away in that white building. She said, pointing toward the state capitol across the street where Democrats hold supermajorities in both houses. So. I think that um, I think that it is going to be um, interesting to see how they how how the party activists respond to this because if they respond by pulling out by unregistering by changing their registration to no party preference um, that may be the short term effect of this um, I'm I'm hoping that uh, Patterson decides to do a a outreach to conservatives. I'm hoping that she doesn't just say, I need to only go and reach out to people who are uh, the big donors for the party. But I hope that she realizes that there is a populist sentiment, even in the state of California, that needs to be reached out to and tapped. And I am not, 
I am not um, entirely sure what is going to happen to the party if they begin to listen to some consultants and say, look, the only way that we can move forward is if we decide that we're going to drop the pro-life plank from the Republican Party platform. The only way that we're going to be able to move forward is if we drop support for religious liberty from the party platform. The only way that we're going to be able to pick up more seats is if we decide that we're going to look like the Democrat Party, but we're going to do it in a way that is maybe slightly more fiscally responsible. I don't think that that is a winning answer. And I say this, like like I was saying here, uh, going back to what I said before, this article that I read earlier is from uh, Charlie Camacy. He is on the board for Democrats for Life. He is not... Um, uh, he is not going to be uh, supportive necessarily of Republicans. I mean, he is, a, he is a Democrat. He is a registered Democrat. But I think what he is pointing out is that some of these social issues should be, must be, bigger than any one party. And I think that that's part of the, uh, that's part of the issue that we at California Family Council work towards is saying that the pro-life issue, as we saw, bringing it back full circle to the Marist poll in the beginning, the pro-life issue should be bigger than just the Republicans or the Democrats. This should be like the civil rights issue was, like Martin Luther King Jr. didn't only apply, uh, try to appeal to one party or the other. The pro-life issue should be a transcendent, moral, human rights issue. It should be something that should reach out to Republicans, Democrats, Independents, everybody on all sides. And that's what we at California Family Council will continue to do. Hope you can find out more at our website, californiafamily.org. Go to lifefamilyliberty.net to subscribe, and I will be with you next week on another episode of Life, Family, Liberty.